I'm Glenn Crooks, and this is On Frame. Today, a one-on-one with New York City FC captain Alex Ring, who will provide his evaluation of the season up to this point. And we'll have a full media scrum with head coach Dolme Tarant after Wednesday's training session, and you'll hear some overlap in the thoughts of both Tarant and Ring. You know, there have been cries for Major League Soccer and its teams going younger. Play the teens. Well, we're going to dip into the New York City FC Academy with director Sam Pugsley and 15-year-old Prince Amponsa, better known as Prince. Both interviews from the GA Cup and Dallas Cup a couple of weeks ago in Frisco, Texas. The New York City FC Academy U19s, the U.S. Soccer Development Academy champions last year, were the only MLS academy to reach the semifinals of the Dallas Cup. That match was played at Toyota's stadium, which also hosted the GA Cup, where City's U-17s were also competing. So I spent some time with Sam Pugsley. He's the former U.S. Soccer Residency Program Manager, where he monitored the U.S. U-17s at IMG, and now the Academy Director at NYCFC. Give us an impression from an academy standpoint what uh, this really means to the boys. Yeah, I mean, the, the week's been great. I think um, the difference of the two teams and of the two different competitions, there's a common thread of the international component, which has been outstanding. I think any time you can get exposure to the international competition, even if it's here domestically, uh, it, it benefits all. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've noticed throughout the course of the week with the younger boys, the 17s, was, you know, they, they don't have as much experience internationally as the 19s in the past. Uh, and you could see some tentative nature behind it in the beginning parts of the games. But as the weeks progressed, you could see them ease into games a little more quickly. Uh, and it's just it's a microcosm of what the international competition can do from a confidence standpoint and a development standpoint. So what is it about the international competition that uh, is so important? Yeah, I think anytime you can see different styles and different philosophies and methodologies being implemented across the world, um, it, it's it's a learning experience. and. You know, I think we, we have a, a good competition here domestically, but, you know, we, we are still sort of catching up from a, from a world standpoint of, of academy development. I think anytime you see top-level players, um, it only helps you. And I think, you know, we, we as the players learn, coaches learn, um, administrators learn, everybody learns. It's a, it's a full-on learning experience. And, you know, that's, that's what it's about. It's about the sharing information. Um, and, you know, just as anybody grows from an educational standpoint, everyone's ever-evolving and learning and it's good to see that way. So there have been some presentations from other academy directors or managers from, from a, across the world. Are there any particular uh, elements or things from those that, that stick out for you? Yeah, they did. Uh, the MLS does a good job of bringing in the speakers from, from the other clubs participating and giving a snapshot oftentimes of how they go about their training back in whatever country they're from. So an interesting one for me was the Zagreb uh, presentation. He gave a qu- just a quick overview of what the academy is as a whole, but he gave some cool stats about uh, at the most recent World Cup, they had 10 academy products playing for the Croatian national team. Obviously, they had s- such success in, in getting to the, to the finals, and um, you know, it, obviously Luka Modric was there and did a, was in their academy for a long time. Um, but it's interesting because the snapshot of what they are able to do in a country of 4.4 million people can be translated to New York City, right? I mean, obviously, there's more people in New York City than 4.4 million, 
but they're, what they're doing in a country, we can do and look to extrapolate into a city and, and continue to grow and evolve in that capacity. So theirs was interesting. And, you know, what comes out of it, too, is these you talk to them after these social events. And, you know, oftentimes invitations get put out there and we can go over there and maybe they have a, a preseason tournament that we can attend. So there's good there's good opportunities for to further develop down the line, whether it's preseason or a tournament they do uh, any other time of the year as well. Good. You mean a, a team or teams from your club maybe going to Croatia? We don't have to make the official announcement, but that's the kind of thing you're talking about, right? <laughs> no, no official announcement yet, but uh, but yes, yeah, so we you know we talk casually about potential tournaments and going going places. And listen, if the invite's out there and there's top level competition, we're we're excited and we want to be a part of it. So that's a pretty large statement. If they have ten academy products representing their country, so that's the sort of thing where you go like, well, they've got something going. There, there's something there that's working. Yeah, cl clearly there's something that's that's working, and again, obviously the scale is different, right? Where they're, you know, our city is three-ish, four -ish times larger than their whole country in terms of population. But if if they're doing that on that scale, you know, there's there's some learnings to be had from that where we can look to implement stuff here in the city and and just look internally and what we can do to to further ourselves. When you talk about the possibility of players uh, in the city, it's such a large number. But even though we see where the five boroughs are and maybe have a, a clear indication of where the players are. It's really maybe finding those players and, and, and figuring out who maybe you can bring into the academy that are uh, unknown. Yeah, listen, it's, 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 it's kind of the age-old question in New York is where do you find all the best talent? And I think we've, the structure we begin to build with our affiliates and the, the launching of a, the new league that just came out this past week, um, and then the, the development of our scouting network where we've just started. We've, um, We've just hired our first full-time scout, a guy named Noah Ross, who was one of our uh, youth academy coaches originally, and now he's in charge of, of evolving and building the scouting network in New York. And I think we, we have daily conversations of what that looks like. Is it a multitude of scouts throughout the entire tri-state area? Is it concentrated areas? Is it only a couple guys? And then you work with rela through relationships of clubs that you have the relationships and look to build relationships with our clubs. Um, it's ever-evolving landscape, and we're always looking to sort of find the best edge. So, you know, going back to the, the, the Zagreb thing is that those are learnings. They, they mentioned in their presentation they have one full-time scout. That's it for the academy. And so they, they're, they're managing to do it in that capacity and managing through the relationships they have with the other smaller youth clubs. And, you know, I think there's learnings in that. I, I, listen, I don't know if that's right for us. Um, you know, we're still navigating those waters. But... To, to the point, there's learnings from that and how they how they manage it and what can we do in New York to, to do it in that capacity. What can a, an academy like New York City do if Noah goes in, um, sees a kid, talks to the family, and uh, they don't have the means uh, to maybe do everything necessary from a financial standpoint to be a part of that? Uh, are, are there ways to get around that? Yeah, listen, I think, you know, I think the, the first thing when you hear those statements comes to mind is a residency program, right? Is, is obviously Philly's done a good job, SKC does, Seattle's, you know, their success here at, at GA Cup has proven that some of their model of work too. And listen, that's something we always, we always talk about as well. My, my background coming from U.S. Soccer's residency program is I'm quite familiar with those, how those run. Um, but getting anything built and done in New York City is always adds an extra layer, a layer of, uh, of difficulty, but that's something we, we talk about often. Um, and one of the things that I think we've done a good job is sort of tapping into the actual city aspect, where we strategically chose to be at St. John's University and have that be our home practice facility for the academy. 
And so, you know, that's a centralized location where if you're coming from Long Island or you're coming from the Westchester area or even from New Jersey, it's easy to get there. Um, you know, easy is all relative in New York, right, with traffic patterns and time of day. But, you know, it's, it's, we chose that because it's a centralized location. It's sort of that, that pinpoint center of everywhere to come. So there's, there's always ways to, to, to work around and work with players. Um, you know, we've got players currently in the academy that come from Hartford, Connecticut, just outside Hartford, almost all the way up to Albany, New York. So that's, that's a big dedication for a player um, to sit in a car for two-plus hours one way to get to training, um, not only from the player but from the parent. So we work with those families independently and say, hey, listen, it's been a long week. You've had a, a, a large game load. Let's, uh, why don't you take Wednesday off? train at your local club or here's an uh, individual development plan for that specific week and, you know, take it off. So we, we can work in those capacities. But um, to, to the wider point, you know, some residency and homestays is a term we use a lot is, is something we're, we're looking deeply into. And you look at your three homegrown players. Uh, one of them in particular is uh, from uh, the five boroughs, Justin Hack. So I suppose the finding more of that kind of player that's within the five boroughs, it's, it's great that maybe Albany, Connecticut, and those are the things that you want to draw from as well. But is that part of what, uh, where the scouting will be really centralized? Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many little pockets and little areas of, of the immediate New York City area. And then as you extrapolate that out to the Long Island region, to again, to Westchester, to Southern Connecticut, over into New Jersey, Newark, um, these areas that we take deeper looks into, um, there's always little pockets, and you know a big part of Noah's job is to develop and establish and cultivate relationships in in those areas that we know of, and then try to find the areas that we're not so familiar with through those existing relationships, and then develop other relationships in those areas. So um, it's it's a big job, and he's he's one guy right now, but we're looking to potentially expand in the not too distant future, and um, hopefully uncover the next talents, the next Justin Hacks, the homegrowns, yeah. What is uh, or what are some of the biggest selling points to be part of the New York City Football Club Academy? Uh, I don't want to say versus other academies, but if you go into a, a neighborhood that uh, might be um, more convenient to go to Red Bull, uh, Justin Hack probably could get to Red Bull maybe sometimes easier than getting up to St. John's. So uh, what is it about the New York City Academy? Yeah, listen, I think, you know, I think for, for us, we pride ourselves of being the, the team of the city. Obviously, I just mentioned being at, at Belson Stadium at St. John's University, and, you know, we play our games for the first team in the five boroughs. Um, so from a, from a city connection standpoint, there's, if, you're, if you're born and raised and, you know, you've played your soccer growing up in the city, that's something really special to be a part of because we're trying to continue that on, and I think we've done a good job. Um, you know, in the short existence of the academy itself, I think we've had very good success with developing players. I mean, we've got three homegrowns, um, two, of, two of which are down here actually playing in the 19s and done very well. Um, and I think that's, that's, a, that's proof, proof is in the pudding, I, I suppose, in that capacity. Um, you know, I think the other thing is, um, is we have the, uh, sorry, we got some, some guests walking by here. But, um, but yeah, it's just it's just being part of the, it's just being part of the city, and uh, you know, and that I think the big thing too, if you take a step back and look at sort of thirty thousand foot view of the whole thing, is you know we have uh, we're part of a larger organization, right? City Football Group. So you know, obviously, if you're part of of what we do here at New York City FC, you know, getting that direct pathway to professionals in Major League Soccer is is very evident on a day-to-day -day basis. But if if your talent dictates, and if we if we need to, we can place you in clubs around the world, including top clubs like Manchester City. So there's this, there's this continued pathway to throughout the group. Um, and I think that's palatable and 
for, for kids who are, who are wanting to achieve the goal of professionalism. On to some of the methods, methodology, systems. Um, you've recently hired a, a new a, a head of coaching, uh, Liam Manning, who's coming over from West Ham. What can you tell us about him and uh, how he uh, maybe ended up being the guy of choice to, to, to run the, uh, the football side of things? Sure, yeah. So it's, uh, as we speak, actually, Liam's heading over to, to Manchester and at CFG over there for his indoctrinization period for about three days to learn some, some methodology and philosophies and, um, and sort of the, the city football group way. But, you know, it all started uh, eight, nine months ago at this point, and we ended up going out and doing a, hiring a firm to actually look. And um, after about eight or nine months, it got down to a short list. Uh, Claudio had a big hand on it um, in sort of who that hire is going to be. So we met with some individuals, Liam being one of them, obviously. Uh, Liam ended up coming over here and, and was, was very impressive. He's obviously had some success in player development where he is now at, uh, at West Ham, and um, hopefully he continue that pattern over here. I'm curious about the relationship between you and him and how it will all come together and what are, what are the expectations, what are, what are his roles, his responsibilities within the club? Yeah, so Liam will be responsible on the day-to-day, -day, the methodology, uh, philosophy, and the implementation of, of that on the pitch. He's, you know, director of coaching is the title, so he's going to be in charge of making sure that all the age groups are aligned in the same philosophies. Um, individual development plans, making sure those are developed appropriately for every single player in the academy and adhered to. Um, you know, as, as, as we look at it, we've obviously, and I think, Glenn, you'd probably agree with this, we have a very set style of play throughout the academy and city football group, and I think it's evident on the field. And as we look to start to develop players to get to the first team, we can really dive in even deeper than what we've been doing and making sure from an individual standpoint they're getting everything they need so we can maximize them to get to, to, to the first team at some point, hopefully. And the U19s, you mentioned Justin Hack and Joe Scalier is here too playing on this team and uh, advancing deep into this event, winning the uh, national championship uh, less than a year ago. So uh, it's, it's really kind of the, uh, the signature team so far. Yeah, listen, this group has been, uh, it's a special group, right? It's, it's the original group that started here. We, as you know, they st we started with one team four years ago, and they've matriculated, matured to now to be the 19s. We've had four players go off to college based on their, their birth years and when they entered high school, but this is going to be the first group that actually matriculates out as a full group and goes off to college or, as you've mentioned, signs some, some homegrown players. And so um, they've had some success on the field, uh, and they've, they've been an outstanding group. And it's something that our younger teams from the 15s, even the 17s down, they, they look up to them. And it's, you know, it's funny you ask our 12s now. Um, who their favorite player is on, on the first team, and they say James Sands and Justin Hack. It's not, you know, it's not Tati, it's not Jesus, it's not Maxi, it's, it's those two. So, you know, I think uh, I, I said the phrase earlier, but the proof is in the pudding, and I think the, 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 as we matriculate these players through, they have a, I hope they realize what the presence they have uh, in the club is, which is good. Different styles, pathways, uh, among the common themes of the academy directors I spoke to in Texas, that one, Sam Pugsley the director from New York City FC. NYCFC statistically among the top DA clubs whose players play up. One of them is a 15-year-old named Prince who started at the back for the U-17s in Frisco, and I also spoke to him. So I, I guess the first thing, here we are uh, in Frisco, Texas, and um, you're about ready to head home, and you head home with a victory, so that's always good, right? Yeah, it feels really good to get home with a victory. 
So what were some of the important aspects of today's game? You went down a goal. I mean, these are all being here is all, all about a learning experience. You played Peñarol from Uruguay. Uh, so tell us about the game and, and how, it, how you evaluate it. Yeah, well, um, coach first told us to be very patient with the ball. And even when we went down, um, we were able to manage the game by being patient and knocking around and making them chase the ball. I felt that in the second half they got really tired, and as a result there was more gaps. And that's how we were able to get our um, two goals. Yeah. This is the kind of event where you could get a little tired. You've played six, this is your sixth game that you've played today. So how are you feeling? Uh, I'm hanging in there. Well, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I can play. I think I can play a little, maybe two more. Yeah, I'm good. Well, let's talk about your emergence here at New York City FC. Um, you're from Ghana. Um, tell us about your arrival into the States from Ghana and what kind of football you were involved with there. Um, well, Ghana, I didn't really play much high-level soccer. But um, I was I was always active playing with the boys. Um, you know, it it was it was it was really different when I when I first came. The kind of I mean the more tactical side of the game. It wasn't all about physicality. It was more about moving the ball, being patient. I felt that NYCFC kind of gave me a chance to learn the game better, and just seeing a lot of these boys out here and like how good they are just mo motivates me every day to just bring my my best all the time. It's interesting because a, a lot of what you hear about. American soccer, soccer in America, is that it is physical and power and not so technical and tactical. You just said the different thing. Yeah. I feel like NYCFC especially teaches us how to play similar to like Man City, just move move the ball and make the other team chase it. And I feel like there there is still some um, physical aspects of it, which is which is evident in any, any kind of football. But um, I feel like just the coaching, it's, it's, it's um, it's more on the tactical side, and it, it, it helps us when you play against teams that are very physical because we can move them without even touching them. So you arrived in the States when you were eight. Where did you first get engaged with the game uh, here? Were you, have you always been in the Bronx? Yeah, I was always lived in the Bronx. Um, I first joined a local club, South Bronx United, and played there for about four or five years. Um, I first started on the, on the Recreation League, and then I moved my way to the Travel League. I played um, U12, U14. And then that's when um, City first started, and I got into a couple of talent centers. And then the following year after that, I was called in to play, to, um, to join the academy, and then that's when it all started. You take your game when you were at South Bronx United, and it's an affiliate club, and you know they're, they're a big part of uh, the fabric of New York City FC too, but where has your game improved? How has it moved on to the next level for you? Oh, I think um, in terms of just being, just being a step ahead of the, ahead of the attackers at all times. I feel like at South Bronx I had much, I had so much more time on the ball, but here it's so much more fast-paced that you have to think before you move. I feel like just I just get, always had this competitiveness about me, and because I'm able to like start to think ahead, it's it's helped me and it's like it it has allowed me to see things before it happens, yeah. and and anticipate. Yeah, I still think that sometimes I can do a better job of maybe like getting a little tighter on on the strikers, but um. That's something that I can definitely work on and I've been talking to coach about. Well, that's a huge statement, seeing things before they arrive and the pace of the opponent and how fast they play also is a part of that, yes? Yeah, it's, yeah. Especially if you watch the game against River Plate, they play very, very, a lot with lots of energy. It's very high, very fast pace. They move the ball. The strikers are constantly running. So it's you, you don't get the opportunity to stand and think. So you just have to constantly be thinking, what's the next move? How to, how to better position yourself against the strikers. And it's just, yeah, that's how the game works.
So here you are, and you know part of this event is, is it's this international flavor. So you play a, a river play. Yeah. You know they're the Copa Libertadores champions, and and you know it's a it's a just one one of the great clubs in Argentine uh, football history. So what is it like for you and, and the team? You know yeah. it, to have these experiences. First to say it was very eye opening because you just see a lot of high top top players come out here and they're, they're just like balling with high energy and they even though they're, they're such a big club they they play like they have nothing to lose they play with lots of energy they're always going out and I feel like for us it was it was very eye-opening it was it showed us something different that it's not it's unlike our DA games where maybe kids are a bit more calm and calm on the ball they, they, these guys are just fighters man fighters and it makes you want to just be a fighter also man because you first want to back down loses so you don't, you don't want to lose, so you have to become a fighter. So have you had a chance to, to talk to anybody on any of these other teams just to get a feel for you know where they come from and what they're all about? Yeah, I spoke I spoke with a couple of the, a couple of the River Plate kids after the game. All, even though there's a language barrier, I mean, you can still communicate with them. Like, yeah, just pretty much, I mean, just, I mean like even during the game when they're playing against them, we just say a couple of jokes, we talk we talk back to each other. And I feel like I just, I, that's what I really love about the game, man. It's just like, you can just be like so like being competitive, so competitive, and just still have the, the sportsmanship, man. It's 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 very nice, yeah. So what you're referring to there is hunger, yeah. more than anything, right? So it's a that's maybe the culture of their upbringing, and yeah. you, you you feel like maybe at times here in the states we have things you know yeah. easy yeah. and given to us, and maybe that's that's part of the difference. Yeah, it is. It is because you know those guys here they come from, even for example like Flamengo. Coach told us before that. It was an attack or um, one of their um, academy, their academy, yeah. and a couple of the guys got burned. Yep. And so, like when you, when to begin the match, they were singing and they were they were all getting to it, and I, I could just feel the kind of energy the game was was gonna be. So I, I therefore, I just I talked to the guys like this is gonna be a very hard game, it's a very hard team to beat. So we're gonna have to come out with lots of energy, match them or even better, and just also be respectful at the same time of what happened. You know, sometimes I feel like unfortunate things happen. And even though we're we're playing against them, we want to win. We have to win in a in a very respectful manner. Yeah. And you're you're playing up, but you you have this leadership component, which is really evident. Well, as a central defender, you you need to lead a bit, right? Yeah. I feel like that's something I always had with me. I never stopped talking. So um, it just it's just something that um always had with me. Um, Do any of your friends ever say, "Hey, can you stop talking"? Sometimes, sometimes taking you stop talking, but I just I don't I don't mind it. I, anything anything to help the team, I'm willing to do, I'm willing to talk. You know, always be there for the guys, man. Sometimes some people need a confidence booster. Cause sometimes the game doesn't start away, they miss a couple passes, and then they start to lose it. But you know, as a defender, you got to be the guy to say, man, come on, we got a game to win. A confident leader of the U17s at the age of 15. That's Prince, who looks up to another leader, the captain of the first team, Alex Ring who I got a chance to speak to after training on Wednesday as we transition now from the academy to the first team at New York City. Unbeaten in the last five, the second longest unbeaten streak in the league. Alex, um, we're not quite a third of the way through the season, so full preseason, the season started the way it did, results a little bit more favorable recently. How do you assess kind of what's happened uh, up to this point? Uh, I think the last three, four games have been really good from us. Uh, maybe with two points more, I'd be a bit happier either the last game or Minnesota. Uh, but I think um, 
after we changed our system a little bit uh, it suited the way the way we played and we've been uh, better defensively in the last games which i think is a you know it's it's a basic you have to keep your your own end nice and tidy and then we have enough quality up front to to get chances and to make things happen i think in the first part of the season we 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 had too too many too many mistakes in the back that uh, obviously cost us points. Yeah, for you personally, you were actually in a more advanced position. It seemed a lot of the time in, in that shape, and now you're kind of back to where you were last season. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. Uh, like I said, uh, I'll play where Dome where Dome puts me to play. But I think everyone knows uh, my position is uh, in front of the back three, back four, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I think, yeah, I'm happy with that now. So when you say uh, more comfortable, that's, those are the words we've heard, that the team's more comfortable in this shape. But what are some of the specific things that you think are working? I think now we, we are better positioned all throughout the field, have, uh, have more width. And we know who there's always going to be someone on the left, someone on the right, have, uh, taking the width, um, expanding the opponent's shape. And yeah, either they close the middle and we go through the flanks or they start cheating on the flanks and we play to the middle. That's just the, the decision making that has been much better now now in the last three, four games than it was before. So there have been a lot of ties. I don't know what you think about ties. Obviously, uh, you lose points with those, but um, only the one loss. So I'm, I'm not sure how you look at the whole thing. If you keep it by with one loss at the end of the season, I'll be happy. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, like I said, um, unfortunate circumstances, some individual mishaps, also team mishaps that uh, that have been punished really, really cruelly this year. We had them last year too, but they weren't punished as bad. Um, but I think we, we've we uh, turned the ship around now. Um, I think our character has been extraordinary the last three, four games, especially I thought we looked much uh, fresher, more energy than Orlando, and we played uh, three games in six days, and they, they had a week of holiday before that, so um, I'm happy with how the team's been playing. Uh, you've got uh, another match against Montreal. Um, what do you recall about the first game? It was at Yankee Stadium. It was a little rugged from a surface standpoint. I remember you hurt yourself there during the match. Ends up in a scoreless draw. What are your expectations? Yeah, their pitch is much better. <laughs> um, I don't know. Have you seen it? Yeah, Montreal's pitch usually is always really good. When we play there, I like to play. I think the atmosphere is pretty good too in uh, Montreal. And I think it will still uh, suit our style of play, definitely. Um, yeah, the last match was really rugged, a lot of fighting, you know, wasn't technically the best pitch, so playing was, yeah, the ball was slow, you had to take extra touches, I mean, all these sound like excuses, but in the end they affect your game, and especially a team like us who want to have possession and keep moving the ball, um, and you have, uh, yeah, you have, you have the ball bouncing around, it's not that easy, you know, so it was frustrating, I remember after the game. Uh, not happy with the draw, not happy with the game itself because we just couldn't play in the way that we wanted to play. How much is it emphasized in training each day, pre-game, um, in your preparation, uh, the limited touch aspect, moving the ball in one and two, especially in the midfield? No, it always depends on the situation. You know, sometimes it's not good to play with one or two touches because you you become too too obvious. That means you just have to feel it out, depending how the how the team plays against you. Sometimes you have to beat someone one-on-one -on -one to create a new situation. 
it's about uh, yeah finding the right right time to do the right things and uh, most recently uh, more goals are being scored i mean eber is part of the scene now but what do you how do you how do you figure that what what have been some of the aspects there yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest differences is the last four games we've played with the true number nine and it makes a difference. If Maxi has to play then, I have to play higher. With players out of position, we'll do our best and uh, all the other players will as well. But I think, like me being comfortable playing in my position, I think Maxi is happy to be back where he where he can uh, control the game a little more. And yeah, I think Heber is doing a fantastic job. I mean, it helps us. To have someone who can keep the ball up, Tati's been doing that really well too lately. Um, it makes a big difference, you know. That's I think that is, for me, one of the biggest changes. The captain, Alex Ring. The coach is Dolme Tarant. And instead of breaking up Dolme into uh, small sound bites, what I decided to do is share the entire media scrum. Uh, scrum is multiple media members asking questions. Uh, on Wednesday, it was just myself, my broadcast partner, Matty Lawrence, and Michael Anderer from Blue City Radio talking to the New York City head coach. First, we learned about injuries, and it was not particularly good news. Neither Sands, nor Matriza, nor Matarita, nor Morales trained. There were a few players who didn't train today. In, with the first team, uh, any particular problems we had? Well, Mata, let's tackle him first. Uh, you were hopeful for Montreal. How's that going? No, Mata... Uh, you know, maybe uh, he needs uh, one week more. Uh, maybe he's ready against LA. Uh, Jimmy uh, had this confirmed uh, 75 minutes, around 75 minutes in the, the last game. Is uh, about the abductor. I think he's is uh, not ready for uh, Montreal as well. And Mitrita has uh, this confirmed again in the ankle. Is about that. And and Maxi. The reason why is very very tired, and we, <laughs> and we decide. Uh, I say to to him what that happened is because it's not easy uh, to play. You know, six uh, three games in six days. Therefore, was amazing. Uh, was uh, unbelievable. And okay, we have to recover uh, some players for the next game. So that's where you're you're really looking at individual players who have put in a lot of minutes then you just make a decision based on talking to them the science all the yes. different things yeah no uh, the next game uh, will be uh, about that uh, the maxi uh, i'm sure uh, he will be ready for for to play against uh, montreal uh, we miss uh, no 100% maybe uh, jimmy and, and mata for the next game and, and mitri is adopted is a doubt right now because uh, we need uh, another medical test. Did he uh, re-sprain his ankle? So he did it again. No, he, uh, no. After the game, uh, he was okay, uh, but uh, the first training in the first 50 minutes, uh, he had pain in the same ankle. I say, okay, we have. Uh, it's better for us. Uh, wait one or two days, and we need a medical test because. When that happened after the game and before the game, he told me he was ready to play. Uh, right now, I'm not sure to, uh, he's ready for the next game. And I, I prefer the, the players who stay uh, here with us 100% because right now the, we have enough players in the bench, uh, even in the stand, 
ready to play uh, with us. Ben and Mata are different type of players. They all have different different assets. Do you have to change your formation depending on who's available? You know, the Mata and, and, and Ben uh, has different have different quality. Uh, everybody knows. Uh, with Ben, maybe is, uh, Ben can play with uh, in, the, in two positions in our team. And he can play, especially when we play with five in the back, with centre back, uh, the left back. But uh, even and uh, wing back as a wing back, they have a different quality. But right now uh, we practice with different players here because we have to be ready in case the matter. We, we miss Mata two or three weeks. You know? uh, the first idea is Mata maybe is ready uh, for LA, but if not, uh, we practice with today. We practice with uh, Isma in this position, with Evan as well, because we have to be ready in case. Imagine that the Ben uh, is injured in the in the next game on the training session. So uh, Eber, so he has come in and seems to have really helped the attack. You're scoring more goals now than you did at the beginning of the season. Is, is a big part of that uh, ever? Yeah, it's, it's for everybody. But uh, you, you know how important it is when you you play with the right player in the, as a striker because he has this uh, quality. He's, uh, he helps us when we are uh, problems in the, in the, in the field. Uh, he's able to keep the ball, assist, score goals. It's a good news for us because uh, it's our feeling is right now uh, we signed uh, the right player. Uh, of course, it's uh, ever improved uh, a lot our team when we have the ball. But uh, everybody is much better than, I don't know, one month ago, you know. But, uh, but is it a big part that you no, have? No, no, uh, for sure. I agree, for sure, for sure. Uh, I agree with you when that happened because uh, he has this quality. Keep the ball, assist, uh, and everybody in our team uh, know when we we play in our team, we have more opportunities to create chances and uh, score goals. And it gives Maxi a little bit more freedom to be who he is, and maybe even Alex Ring. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. Everybody knows we have uh, one player up, our striker, able to keep the ball and to play again and again because when you play with uh, with uh, your striker and you lose the ball uh, I, I don't know 80% of the of the time it's not good for us because after that you have to to uh, to defend as soon as possible but whatever uh, our feeling is much better because they have the repeat uh, he has this quality when you are in trouble, you know uh, we have uh, a right player uh, as a striker, but it's the same. I remember when Tati Castellanos played in Minnesota, they played in, the, in that way. He uh, was able to keep the ball, attack the spaces, uh, play one or two touches when uh, they play uh, back to goal. Uh, that is a good news for us because we have two strikers and and the feeling uh, when you play with uh, in, in, in this way with uh, Eber, with Tati, and they are able to, to keep the ball and one or two seconds is much better for Maxi. When the, uh, the, the players who play in the second line 
the last game was uh, Ismael and Maxi. Sometimes is Mitrit and Maxi play much better because uh, they have time uh, to win the second ball. Because uh, the reason why is for uh, our striker are able to keep the ball. It's interesting because you you look at it as a three-four-three shape, but it really isn't in a way, you know, because Maxi's playing the 10 at, at some point and maybe no, Castellanos when, and no, Ever but, are twin strikers. That is the reason why I say to you many times, the the important is when you finish in the in the field, no? You can start to play with five or I say it, uh, Man City play 4-3-3, three, three, but uh, at the end they finish to play 3-2. Two and three is the same, and sometimes we play in the same way, but we start to play with five, and we finish with three. Sometimes two, sometimes two in the middle is Maxi and Anismo, Maxi and, and Mitri, and three. Uh, our wingbacks play as a as a wingers. If you play with four three, three it's the same. Uh, that is the reason why I say many times, no, no, it's not a telephone numbers. When you play 4-3-3, is it depends. What happens when you have the ball? How is the, the way you defend? We defend with five, okay? We play 5-4-1 uh, sometimes when you defend deep. And when you have the ball, sometimes play 3-4-3. Three, three. Is it safe to say that it, it took some time for the team to recognize how to play in this? I mean, you say they're more comfortable now, but it took time. No, we are more comfortable. That is the, the, the reason why we keep uh, playing that in that way. But the second uh, reason we have the for me the the right players right now to play in that in that way is uh, when I decide to play in that way was was because uh, we were in trouble because we play for me. Eh, it's my opinion. We play well. But uh, we need to score more goals, uh, to defend more uh, compact, you know, and we need to change a little bit. If not, <laughs> if you play all the time 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1 and, and you are not able to win uh, any game, you, you need to change. No? That is the, the first uh, reason why I, I change uh, a little bit. Uh, and the second, the second one is because uh, when you ask uh, your players, they are more comfortable, they are uh, more compact when we don't have the ball and we create uh, a little bit problems uh, in our opponent when we play with two players in between the lines and, and we have the right players to play in the system because Isma can play here, Keaton can play here, Maxi, Mitrita and after that we have the the uh, the right wing backs in that moment and the three center backs and you know how important is for us right now uh, Jimmy Sanz because uh, if you decide in 5 minutes uh, to play 4-3-3 he can play like a, as a 6 last weekend Montreal hosted Chicago uh, the pitch did not look great it looked like it the ball bounced a lot for a team that likes to possess and likes to play one-two touch quickly through the midfield, how is that going to impact you? Uh, I know how important it is uh, to play in, in, uh, with a, a good a good field, but I can I can talk about that because you know, one month ago we we had uh, many problems in our uh, fi uh, field as well. It's the, 
it is what it is. I, I watched the game uh, Chicago against uh, Montreal against Chicago. Sorry, and uh, the field is not uh, is not the best the best field uh, right now to play soccer. But uh, we have to play a little bit different. That's mean long ball, not. But uh, we have to to be smart because it's the pen of the pitch. Maybe uh, 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 I will change uh, some players because maybe we have to play with the third man, set the ball and attack, because sometimes it's impossible to play in the middle, because uh, the, the reason why is that they defend really well in the middle, because they defend inside, and the second, the second one is about the field. So, Dolme Terrell suggesting that the field conditions may play a role in his lineup. And if you haven't seen the field from last weekend in the Chicago Fire match hosted by the Impact, uh, go on my Twitter, at Glenn Crooks. Uh, Terrell suggesting the principles may be a bit more direct on this field. But uh, with Eber at striker, he's a player who can control that kind of service and hold possession. So, we'll see. And you can hear Dolme Terrell with me on our pregame show. We record the briefing with Dome before every match, airtime, 445 Eastern this Saturday on WNYE 91.5 FM in New York, the New York City FC Network worldwide on TuneIn and NYCFC.com slash live stream with my broadcast partner, Maddie Lawrence, NYCFC at Montreal. Well, that'll do it for this week's On Frame. I'm Glenn Crooks.